0: Check one thing real quick here. All right. So a little intro, and then I'll bring you in. And we're back, Stripe Show Podcast, on a uh, Tuesday. Fun one here today. There's no PGA Tour event. This week they're off this week few more to go for the regular rest of the uh, fall season I should say and then um, take a few weeks off around the holidays and then they fire it back up in Hawaii for the 2024 season and two guys that you're going to be seeing a decent amount in the rookie season on the PGA Tour next year. It's the Cootie Brothers Parker and Pearson joining me. Today, together, I thank both of you for your time, and congratulations on earning your PGA Tour card.
1: Thanks for having us. Nah, looking forward to it. Should be should be fun. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of fun year.
0: It uh, should be a fun year, as, or should be fun as far as the season, or it should be fun with the podcast here. Uh, maybe a little, little spearing with your, your brother. You guys are in two different uh, locations right now. You guys aren't practicing, getting ready for uh, 2024. What's up? It's a little, a little
1: rainy, yeah. Raining, windy in Dallas right now, and uh, so it's a good day for me to get wedding uh, venue shopping. Some knock off some things on the list, and yeah, I think Parker's just kind of relaxing.
0: Would you say wedding shopping?
1: <laughs> wedding venue shopping. It's, okay. It's uh, quite the process, but oh.
0: Well, if you it, need the um, if you need any thoughts or advice or counsel on that, let me know. We can talk. Uh, we, we can talk off air about uh, the whole wedding thing and you know what to expect from from there on. Parker, you got any of that in the near future? Most likely, yeah. I, <laughs> I,
1: I have a pretty long time girlfriend at this point, and okay, my, my girlfriend and his fiance have become pretty good friends. So
0: okay,
1: yeah, it'll, it'll be soon. As as my girlfriend and I's dog is just staring right at me right now. So okay, we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll be there.
0: So they get it, right? Like they do they they so they already know what they're signing up for, right? Because like they know the quality of golfers that you both are. They know that you're going to be a professional golfer for a long time. They know that this game is absurdly difficult and the ups and downs of the game. So they know all this, right? They know how it can kind of turn us all a little bit crazy and cuckoo from time to time, right? And they're cool with that.
1: Yeah, I mean I don't yeah, I go for it. I When we first started dating, they had no idea. I mean, my girlfriend couldn't tell you anything about golf, and I know Pearson's laughed at him for thinking he could make money playing professional golf. So when they we first started going, they, they both had no idea, but we're both pretty close to three and a half years mm-hmm. into our relationships. And they, they have a pretty good understanding of kind of how just things go right now and how much time we actually do miss, and all of those little things. So, but I mean, they're both great, and they both luck, luckily do understand it, and are letting us do this now. Yeah, you same see thing. She,
0: she, same she understands thing. all that.
1: <laughs> same thing. She 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 kind of walked into this uh, not knowing anything other than oh, he plays golf at Texas, and uh, really funny stories. I think about maybe after a few months of dating, something like that. He had called her dad and was like, He's gonna like play professional golf. Like, is that even a thing? And and he was just was like, Yeah, like you know, some guys do it, like it it can work and and she just kinda continued to go with it and uh yeah, three and a half years later she's uh I guess she's doing really well with it. She said (laughs) yes to do it for the rest of her life, so we're in a good spot.
0: Well those 3 Corn Ferry Tour wins, you know, that goes a long ways, right? That kind of helps out the the cause a little bit and it's funny. It's funny like it, you know, I I've I've got to know quite a few uh, professional golfers over over the years um and and some of their significant others and this and that and and uh it, it's a ride, you know. I mean, you guys are the 0.001% that you know actually get to play professional golf and get to play now uh on the PGA Tour. So um hey, when you find the right one, that's the most important thing. You put the ring on it and off you go and you and you live the ups and downs together. I want to get into a lot of things um today with you guys and and and, and we have to start um with the Texas Rangers, right? I mean that's don't we have to start there? Like, I mean, are you guys Rangers fans? Please don't tell me you're Astros fans.
1: Please. Love the Rangers. There that is. was awesome. That was awesome.
0: That was awesome. No, to the Astros fans,
1: and we've been taking it for a long time from them. So, and that last night was, we were with our buddies, and it was a blast.
0: Yeah. So I'm from Northwest. I'm a I'm a Seattle diehard, and uh, to see the Rangers pass us now in the last couple of years, and now leapfrog the Astros and get to the World Series, is 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 tough to swallow. But we certainly, <laughs> along with the entire. Major League Baseball, uh, you know, all the fans across the country, everybody was happy to see Texas beat Houston. I promise you uh, that. So congratulations. They'll be uh, in the World Series, Game 7 tonight. Uh, Phillies and Diamondbacks, they'll, they'll, they'll take on the winner of that. Now, your family, okay, growing up in uh, Plano, Texas, your dad, for so my audience understand, Kyle was a good player. I mean, he played um, the Asian Tour. He played the Corn Ferry Tour back in the 90s. I mean, he was a legitimate um, you know, called mini tour player, right? Didn't play the PGA tour, yeah. but he played a lot of professional golf and made, you know, a lot of checks doing that. Your grandfather uh, Charles was a three-time winner on the PGA tour. Won the 1971 Masters. So playing great golf um, is part of the Cootie family through and through. So anytime I, anytime I think about that, I, I, I just Kate, okay, your your grandfather great player, your dad, great player. Now, both of you, great players, you go back to your youth coming up, you guys, your young phenoms playing. I'm sure your dad is there, has something to say about your swing, your dad or your grandpa, probably looking at your game and he's got an opinion and, and something about the swing. Was it all just smooth sailing or was there like, you know, I think grandpa and dad are maybe, kind of at odds on what I should be doing halfway back or maybe coming down. Parker, I'll start with you. Is it, was uh, was there some fun conversations there?
1: There were a few. I mean, <laughs> look, luckily when we were younger, our dad just kind of like let us get into the game, if that makes sense naturally. I mean, we just wanted to do what dad did and go to the range. And then down the road when we were 13, 14, got fairly decent. And that's kind of when the odds – If, if there's a couple times where – mean, funny thing is my granddad first time he saw a swing on video he didn't believe that was a swing they thought they were pulling a prank on him so uh, old school obviously like you're just feeling what you think you're doing and sometimes as we know as golfers that's just not not the case mm-hmm. and so when that happened or I, I say when that happened just like my dad knows the swing pretty well and under watched pure science lessons for 10 plus years now and So there's sometimes a little miscommunication, I would say, is the best way to describe it between my dad and granddad. But, I mean, they're both our biggest supporters, and Mm -hmm. I truly wouldn't change any any of it. I mean, just I think it's obviously all in good nature and how can Pearson be the best we can. But it's it's been a great balance, I think, to have my granddad's view and my dad's view of someone who made it and was successful in his career. And, I mean, my dad would be the first to tell you that. He he, quote unquote, failed at his profession. I mean, he'll he'll tell you that, and he he just tries to look at it as us not making the same mistakes as he did. Mm. But it's it's been great.
0: So would you say Pearson Granddad is is kind of that old school? Of, obviously, they didn't have video, they didn't have 3D, they didn't have track, they didn't have all these things, right? They didn't have these right. beautiful about golf simulators and all that. And so it was more like you had to dig it out of the dirt, right? Now, there were a few guys that kind of figured it out. I think you, you look at, like, Ben Hogan, some of the more, you know, th- deep thinkers would work on it. And, y- you know, they kind of figured a lot of stuff out, right, without being able to measure it. But granddad was more dig it out of the dirt. You feel it. That's the difference where your dad brought maybe more of that modern where it's like, hey, let's take a look at it on video. Let's – you work with Chris Como, Let's get an idea – uh, uh, what the ball's doing from a data standpoint or maybe what your body's doing and how we can find some more efficiency going about it maybe in more of the tech technological side of it.
1: Yeah I mean for sure um our granddad was very like just feel oriented. Uh you know if you want to hit a cut, think cut. If you want to hit a draw, think draw. If you want to hit a low, feel like you're hit under a bench. What's hit a high, hit it over the bench. So like those were kind of just his go-to like thoughts, feels, and nothing related to like you know club face, swing path, attack angle. Mm-hmm. None of that mattered. It was just think it, do it, and then. But there's also like you know like a lot of guys that are natural faders of the golf ball. They'll line up right and hit, hit a little pull draw if they want to draw it. They close the face down or vice versa. All this, so now guys kind of just and that's where I feel like our dad might have like leaned us towards of like, okay, you don't have to manipulate things as much as you might think. Uh, you know, you can kind of just tweak things based on setup and make the ball do other things. So that blend of just, like, okay, mm-hmm. you have a guy that would control his ball flight completely by thought process and hands and feel and everything like that. To our dad, it's like, okay, well, how can we and Chris, how can we kind of do these things in a simpler way? Just because you have technology, you have track man to see all that stuff but uh yeah truly the crazy part about it is our granddad's swing was, is very aesthetically great and it, it's very <laughs> uh it's very modern and he thinks he wanted to have a high hands and everything through the ball and he was very he's one of the guys that's very uh low and around the corner kind of feel and a tight draw and uh Spencer Levine it's it's hilarious so he's out in the corn fair this year won this year on the corn fair and his dad played on the PJ Tour and watched our granddad play. And when Spencer was growing up, his dad would make Spencer go to the range whenever my granddad was warming up to make him watch him hit balls. So Spencer Levine told Parker and I that he's mimicked his entire swing the last 20 years based on our granddad's swing of wow. watching him hit balls. And so, again, our granddad just had a very good aesthetic swing, but like in his mind, he thought he did everything with feel and high hands or low hands to hit the golf shot. But reality that wasn't the case but he could have no he had no idea with no camera or anything like that mm-hmm. no so it, it's a I mean, yeah we've grown up in an incredibly fortunate world of our granddad with his thoughts and then our dad and uh good people around us coaching wise to kind of help us influence i guess both sides of technical and feel
0: yeah it's interesting right it is a balance um i was just exchanging Text with a really top teacher who who's very big in the 3D world um, launch monitor as I am you know I I like it too and I take it in you have to learn from it and obviously stay abreast with it but it's always interesting there was a picture of Tiger Woods and Butch Harmon and I may mention that I said you think about it Tiger let's say is the greatest player of all time right and if he's not it's Jack Nicholas well both those guys didn't use 3D and really launch monitors a whole lot for most at least most of Tiger's career. Now he does some, I think at this point. And Butch Harmon is the greatest coach of all time and he doesn't use it either, right? So it's you know like you don't discount the value of all of this information that's available and and to use it, but at the end of the day you know, hitting the shots, obviously, and the feel and the self discovery and the ownership becomes the most important part of it. And it's it is a blend. Sometimes you you might feel you need a little more tech. Sometimes you might need to feel like you just need to be an athlete and play. And um, it it's just this never ending cycle. Yeah. It feels like it, it from time to time. So uh, it's always an interesting conversation, Parker. You mentioned your dad alluded to some of the mistakes that he made. As a professional, I mean, can you elaborate on that? Was there one or two things that really stuck with you that, Hey, this is, this is where I, in hindsight, maybe failed. I mean, there's not a ton. I don't think he, I mean,
1: the one that I mean would stick out though, is just on the middle side of the game. I mean, Mm -hmm. he, I think at times he, I mean, I, I don't think he, at times he said, he played a little too tentatively or stuff like that. And, when I was younger, that was actually – it's something that I kind of struggled with. Like if I got in the lead or I got around it, I was like, okay, like just let's just not make a mistake. Like let's mm-hmm. let's finish here or if I can make a birdie, we maybe win. Like little things like that. And, I mean, that's one of the things that we talked about, especially in high school golf, kind of just when that age of where it's time to start going and getting it. Like, I mean, really getting it, not, not just coasting in, coming down the stretch or, I mean – because then they, the I mean, top, top finishes on tour awarded some points, all that stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. and but it's also part of the game to win. Like I mean, everyone wants to win, and it only happens so often. When you do get in that position, I mean, you're not going to remember the third place you had three years ago. But if you win that tournament, I think you'll you'll have a little different feeling about that. So mm-hmm. it's just little things like, but. That that's probably the biggest one that sticks out, is just the mental side of the game and not not being afraid to go get in.
0: So I gotta ask you this. There there's a short game debate going on right now. And I don't know if it's a debate or if it's just people or top teachers or bored or what the deal is right now. But you know, there's there's this discussion that in a in a stock green side pitch, right? Let's say you're off a you know a good lie, tight lie. And, you know, it's 15 to 25 yards. And you want to get one in there low to medium with the with the little sauce on it. And, you know, on one camp you have uh, – and Joe Mayo is a, is a friend of mine and someone that I, I really enjoy talking to. And he's really pushed down on the pedal of we need to get steeper on it and use the leading edge more. And that's really what Victor Hovland has learned to do. Like he's learned to get – he's moved the low point way up. He's gotten steeper. And he's got the leading edge a little more exposed. Although Victor, as you guys are, are very clever in the way you can get the club head out of the ground, right? So you can get steep, but yet get the club head out where the leading edge maybe is minimal. Um, and then you got the other side, which I think is more modern and, and you look at like this shallower approach, right? Where it's the shaft lean's not as much. You're not leaning forward as much and the club's coming in and you're using the bounce a little bit more. No sense. And so like friction on the face and spin, there's all these kinds of these little variables that it's hard to really wrap your mind around in short game shots that, that happen. Um, So anyway, I, th- I think about it with you guys, cause you're in Texas and there you got Jordan Spieth, there you got Scotty Scheffler and those dudes get left and get steep, get the leading edge in. And they're two of the most magical short game players in the game. And then you look on the other side, Max Homony, you know, all that. So, stock greenside pitch I'm gonna open it up to you first Pearson you, you, you getting that leading edge in the ground a little more like some of your Texas boys or are you a bit shallower?
1: uh I am uh, our short game coach Josh Gregory uh he uh, he would agree wholeheartedly I get the leading edge in there too much I okay. <laughs> just growing up with growing up with grain growing up with hard pan <laughs> or even just kind of some sandy lies just because there's not consistent grass all the time you you just your body just reacts you just you just go you go all right I know I'm gonna get ball first I'm gonna get a ton of spin I can figure out how to like land it in a in a proper place to hit a good shot if I try and do something with different like I really don't know how I'm gonna perform so it's kind of yeah unfortunately I wish I was more consistent with the soft kind of draw the little softer ball flight uh, and it's something I'm definitely working on, but uh, if I'm in a position and I have just a very stock pen that's six paces on and I'm, you know, three or four off the green, I'm going to – unfortunately, it's pretty middle of the stance and it's pre- a little more into the ground than I would like. And yeah. uh trying to balance it, but it's just kind of, yeah, the go-to yeah. shot's just a little more into the ground. How about you, Parker? Yeah, I guess when Pearson puts it that way, when I'm thinking about if I had pens – three or four on and I'm just off the green and I'm probably, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm right in between. I mean, Josh Mm -hmm. Greger teaches like wide to wide and real shallow, but, gosh, now thinking if I'm into the grain, if I'm definitely into the grain, I'm taking some dirt. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's too hard to really pick it, especially if it gets really tight in into the grain. I mean, unless you Mm -hmm. get a perfect lie, it's, it's really hard to consistently, perfectly brush it but i lo- i love the way it feels like i would love to be able to do that more often yeah but in i guess in hindsight it's just the what we've grown up on i think is more the product of that
0: you know gregory's going to watch us right like he's gonna he's like what the
1: yeah unfortunately the- we're going to be on hard pan hitting open face something like you you're going to get it right <laughs> it, it, it,
0: he did text me he did text me some questions so and one of them was um what do you guys think when you watch him hit greenside pitch shots? He, he, he claims he's he claims he's pretty damn good at that shot. He It, is, he,
1: he, go ahead, go ahead. it, it truly is unbelievable how good he is himself around the greens. Like wow. there's there's there is a lot of coaches that will be like, I want you to feel this, and they'll set up to the ball and they'll show you what they want the club to do or they want the face to do. But Josh will just like take, he'll take any one of his players wedge. He'll take it. He'll put a ball down and be like, all right, do this. And the ball is absolutely like, he'll rip the cover off the ball on a 10 yard shot. And you're just like, dude, and he's taking it like shoulder high for a 10 yard shot and just dumping it with like no turf interaction. And you're like, that's the, that's the dream. Like if you get, yeah. if I can do that, I would too. And so, uh, yeah, I know he's, he's trying to get us a little dig there, but he truly is like, it's hard to say what Josh teaches also, because you learn so much literally just watching him do kind of mm. what he does. Like, mm. I, I have so many, uh, the funniest part is being on the corn fair in college, or whatever, like, I would text him like, hey, like, I just do better when I see it. Like, send me a player, like some of the players, like Taylor Moore, great standard chipping action, something like that. And I'll be like, hey, show me what Taylor's doing or show me what, uh, Patrick Ree's doing. And, and instead of doing that, he'll prop up a video of himself and send that. And it's just, but he's like, he's a great coach and he's taught mm-hmm. us well. But yeah, he, he's disgusting with, with the wedge. <laughs>
0: You agree with all that, Parker?
1: Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't say he, better. he's trying to dig us, but it, it's one of those I mean, things I just, I gotta give credit where it's due. He's
0: going to be rewinding
1: this and playing
0: it for us next time we see him. All right. So let's go. We're going to get, I got some other questions here. Um, go a little fast, rapid fire here on some of these answers. Pearson, you said you work with, uh, Chris Como. He, he, he kind of alluded to something around like beer versus bone broth. Like what's yeah. that all about?
1: Well, Chris is, Chris is a health savant. Uh, the guy, the guy doesn't even know what a foreign substance is in his body. So uh, he, he, ever since we turned, ever since we went to college, we worked with Chris from the time we were about 11 to about twenty twenty one, 21. And then for about two years, we both worked with Troy Dan In the last six months, I've been with Chris again. Uh, but the point is that ever since we went to college when we were about 18 or so, we'd come back, to see him and stuff, and he'd always ask us, how's the bone broth? How's the, you know, instead of <laughs> instead of partying or having a good time in college, like, oh, how's the, boy- the bone broth, boys? Are y'all staying healthy and stuff like that? Because he, he swears it's incredible for you.
0: Bone broth. That's what he says, right?
1: Oh, yeah. He'll drink. He'll just drink bone broth out of a carton. <laughs>
0: Does that guy think about anything other than golf? Uh, Although I, I saw mean, him snowboarding. He texted me. I saw yeah, a picture I, of him snowboarding.
1: Well, no, but that's tied to golf because he's teaching Sean White for his oh, golf pass. Up. So everything right. he does is tied to golf, but he gets to do some really cool things outside yeah. of it. Yeah.
0: So, Parker, who, who's longer off the tee, you or Pearson? I would say I am.
1: Don't lie I mean. to him. <laughs> Don't lie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pearson, no, Pearson. Pearson told our agent not too long ago I was longer off the tee. So, and that he went through that, a spurt. He went through a spurt. I'll, I'll right now definitely. So speed it's back. Forward. It's like
0: it's like back and forth. It's not. It
1: it does. Yeah. It's close. It's close. Yes, I mean, because this summer I was really hitting it far, and then I've slowed down a little bit, and then Pearson's picked up his speed. I mean, it's just those two or three miles an hour that oh. just literally switch yeah, around. We're, we say like one's longer than the other, but it's literally like three to five yards of carry max. Like, but okay. when you play every practice round together and you see the ball speed and everything like that every time, it's like, oh, I got you there, or no, I got you here. So it's <laughs> who's long is a really debate of five yards between us.
0: So it's like when Pearson, you you, you catch one, you you know it's probably like eight or nine past him, and you're kind yes. of walking passes or is do you have a go to? It's like, hey, what's up? Like, I'm up go ahead. Why don't you go ahead and go first? on this wall. yeah like
1: I that. mean uh, the I'll ask him if he likes walmart's like a build in between our balls uh <laughs> just got a few good ones uh
0: you guys say were you guys competitive with each other growing up or was it always just like more like friendship hey let's go play golf and have fun
1: i think it's has been it's been both I mean it is both I mean, luckily we do have a good relationship at least I think you know so you could say something different right now but uh it has been very competitive for our entire lives. I mean, from all sports and just every little thing we could do, we've been competing and I I think it has made us better. It's I mean I, I wouldn't change anything about it, but definitely a lot of competition going on on literally anything you can think about.
0: Let me ask you this, Pearson PGA tour next year. Give me uh one or two, maybe three guys you're you're most excited to play with? like you. I want to, I want to play with that guy. I want to see what's up with how his game is and stack it up.
1: Uh, shoot. I mean, I, I, I mean, I love, I love Scotty. Like obviously You've like, played
0: with Scotty, right? You've played with him.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, we've kind of like hit balls and stuff, but truthfully, like have not just the four okay. year age gap, like kind of okay. on different yeah, wavelengths. He's, ahead of us in junior golf and when we got to college he was corn fairy and starting his career so it's a timeline it has been a little off but uh, I mean yeah like a Scotty and Roy are kind of okay. you know the two guys I've always grown up loving Roy just the way he plays and kind of just his golf game so Roy and then uh Scotty kind of in a tournament situation would be really cool because that probably means I'm somewhere near the lead if I'm playing with him
0: what about you, Parker? Is there any, any guys, you, when you think back when you were younger and growing up, that, oh, wow, I'm, I'm going to play with them next year. Um, anybody come to mind? I mean, the only
1: one, I mean, like the ones Pearson just said, obviously, too, and then I, I would I would love to play with Tommy Fleetwood. I mean, I love his swing, and every, he's, everyone talks about his ball striking. I mean, I would just like to see in person. Yeah. Or see it under the gun. I mean, you, you can walk him down that range on any corn fairy PGA tour event, and it it looks pretty nice. Yeah. But I, under the gun is when it really obviously sticks out. I would love to see that.
0: You know, it's interesting with Fleetwood. Like he he's always been a great ball striker. I think his short game has improved the last few years. He had a great season. He just can't quite get it done on sunday right in getting his he hasn't won yet of course on the pga tour so he's but he's right there and the guys is the gem of a dude would be fun to play with have you guys played with spieth either one of you Mm-hmm.
1: yeah yeah we've both been out with spieth which
0: is is it the same like in a casual round where he's just constantly oh my god talking dc you, you know hitting his talking to the ball in the air michael what's up you know he's just constantly like rambling and this and that is it the same in a in a practice round, as it is we see in a PGA tour round,
1: yes, with a lot more trash talk. It's, <laughs> it's, it's exactly the same, I and mean, you get the exact same chip in from the garbage can off the green. Like, yeah, no, it's all, it's all the same stuff. I mean, which is good because you get to see, like, hey, this is kind of what I need to do to be at that level, but it's also annoying when you're playing him in game. So it, it's all fun, and it's all fun though, and great to play with him. It's
0: absurd. How many times he chips it?
1: It, I mean, chips in, and if he's chipping off the green, like, it scares the hole. It doesn't matter if he's chipping from the fescue or short-sided downslope bunker. Like, it's going to look good, and it's going to be right. Mm -hmm. And he's not going to think anything of it, and everyone's just standing there like, what the hell did I just watch? Yeah.
0: And then you move on to the next hole, and he does it again. So... Doug good. Gim, Doug Gim played at Texas, right? So many, so many great Texas players over the year. Brandel Chamblee played at Texas. I know, uh I saw a tweet from Brandle, um, I think it was yesterday or two days ago. Anyway, it was within the last 36 hours. And uh, it was a, it was a nice long text about basically his appreciation to um, his Texas, fellow Texas players and how, they passed up a lot of money to go to live. Um, probably the most amount I'm gonna go ahead and assume was Jordan Spieth and Scotty Scheffler. Um, but there there were others. I had uh um Lud Bigberg on the podcast right before he turned professional. And he just got back from a college event and I could see him. He was obviously he was the number one player, amateur in the world, and had a really good conversation with him in his dorm room. And I asked him, I said, Hey, did, did Liv contact you? And he says, yeah. And, and he says, yeah, they offered me a lot of money. And I said, no. And I was like, wow, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's, you know, that's pretty amazing really to be a young guy like that because his goal was to play the PGA tour. Um, big goal to maybe be a part of the Ryder cup and all that. So we went into that live, you guys were in that text that Brandall talked about and he was very complimentary to both of you it sounds like Liv approached you guys and wanted you to be a part of their circuit. Is that, is that the, is that the case?
1: Yeah, it was. Um, it was very similar to Ludwig's situation of it was my, um, uh, kind of winner of my senior year of college, I guess, early spring. Uh, they approached my uh, agent at a, at a tournament and said, here it is. Here's con here's a contract. Uh, and let us know. And he called me. He's like, "Hey, you know, I I I'm like obligated to tell you. Like here here it is. Like, what do you think?" And as an amateur, I I was number one in PGA Tour U. I was gonna get automatic corn fair because when I finished number one, you didn't get a PGA Tour card. So I was kind of I wasn't quite in Ludwig's position because I wasn't gonna go straight to the PGA Tour. I was gonna go to the corn fair, and I was gonna have to bounce my way out of the corn fair to the PGA Tour. Mm-hmm. And so live was almost more appealing because I didn't have any guaranteed money like that. So it was, it was, um, and yeah, and the deal also like has incentives for Parker to play as well. And it was just kind of, um, it was appealing, but after you, after you kind of let it digest for about three or four hours, you're like, well, I certainly don't play golf just for money. And I certainly never envisioned myself playing in, uh, You know, kind of overseas, I've always wanted to play the PJ Tour. I'm, and I'm biased. I'm an American. I Mm -hmm. grew up in Texas. I want to play the four or five PJ Tour events in Texas. I, I just, that's, that's been the vision of my whole life of when I'm 24, 25 years old, I plan to play and on the PJ Tour for the next 20 years. That's, that's just always been the goal. And so that once that kind of clarity, Of the money kind of went away. The decision was very easy, and I just called him back. I was like, Hey, we're not doing this. Like, we're, we're going to get to the PGA tour.
0: Is that, is that a conversation you have like with your dad and maybe even grandpa too? Was he brought in and say, Hey, Liv's approached me, or is that something that you just, you guys, like, this is my decision. Here it is.
1: It definitely was kind of just my decision. Like, my dad obviously called me and was, uh, had his, Couple minutes of what he thought, but Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, he told me, he's like, Hey, this is, this is real money. Like this isn't, this isn't a joke and, uh, you got to make a decision for yourself because if anyone makes the decision for you, you're going to regret it. And, uh, again, like after about an hour or two, it became very clear that I did not want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of the PJ tour and I'm going to do everything I can to do that. And if it didn't work out, I could accept that. I couldn't accept going to live and not ever fulfilling my dream of being on the PGA tour.
0: There's just so much uncertainty, right? Like we were, before we came on air and we kind of moved past live now for a second. Um, Cause frankly, I'm just tired of talking about it, but I had to ask <laughs> <laughs> you. Okay. Um, but uh, you know, you just, you, but, but live obviously is part of this next conversation, which is that the PGA tour, there's just so much uncertainty that, What's going to happen between those two entities, but also even your guys' playing schedule, right? We're, we're going into November 1st into next season, Parker, and how many starts you guys would potentially get. What does that look like? How they are, are looking to um, qualify into certain events and open versus an invitational, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, there's still a lot of uncertainty, maybe right, Parker, on like what your schedule would potentially look like next year.
1: Yeah, no, I mean there, there's a lot of uncertainty. I mean Pearson finished fifth or sixth on the points, and so he, the category we play out of is behind the 125. So, I mean you're looking at one really give or take 126 to 160. Because we have the 10 guys from Europe that will be put in front of the corn fairy status. And then, then the, then the corn fairy graduates and no one knows. Like in the past, our agents kind of been able to tell what number on your priority. Okay. These events, like you book them. You, you know, you're hundred percent getting in that, but Sony this year is working in orientation with Sony. And right now. No one can tell me if I'm going to be in Stony or not. I mean, Pearson will be just on his number, but I finished 25th on the points plus the 10 Europeans in front. So I'm 35th on the priority. And with everyone trying to make a push to get into those early elevated events, because if you play well early, can really set up your season. Just just no one really knows. And Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, like good golf is good golf, and that takes care of a lot of things. Just need to when i get the opportunity to take the most of make the most of it and hopefully i'm teaming up in sony yeah
0: what is what is success look like um let's say for next season have you guys thought about your goal setting for next season as a rookie success parker i'll start with you next season looks like what
1: i mean first and foremost retain full status or gain full status actually. Full status, we'll, yep. Mm-hmm. Actually, conditional currently, but that'd be first, and then go from there, be in contention and going to winning and playing East Lake. I mean, that that would be the goals for having your PGA Tour card. And mm-hmm. I think any PGA Tour player would tell you that. And I see no reason why I can't do that. And we'll be working this off season to get in position to do so.
0: How about you, Pearson? Success looks like what next year? Uh, winning on
1: the PJ Tour. I don't, I don't like to do all the small goals. There's, there's one goal every year or every tournament is to win. So I kind of just, that, that's my one goal. That's my focus. And I'm, if I'm working to win every event, I'm going to be working really hard and doing the right things. And so I went on the PJ Tour is, is the goal.
0: All right, let's finish up with this. We can't. I can't let you guys go without just a little, little break. Dude. I'm, I'm the stripe show for crying out loud. So let's start here. Pearson, this is you, right? Yep. Actually, no way. We got to start with Parker because Parker's the older one by 34 minutes. No. Trying, right? Okay, so we got to go. <laughs> <laughs> Parker, you work with Troy Denton, uh, right?
1: I do. Yes.
0: And so you look at that swing what comes to mind do you like do you like looking at your swing or do you like uh, yeah oh, i look like at it way too
1: much actually <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um i mean first and foremost starting i'm a little taller and a little i'm a little too tall right now i'm i mean i usually have a little more knee flex and i'm a little close to it as i mean anyone can probably tell you it just looks a little cramped to me uh but Positions are nice. I always, always check in my takeaway just because I'll get inside and shut. Right there? Yeah. So that's a, for me, that's a good position as long as it's mm-hmm. just outside my hands. Face can be a little shut or a little close to my spine angle. But all in all, that's a good position for me. I take that every day. And then I'd, I like that position at the top. Mm-hmm. If anything just fractionally laid off, but then – that, I mean, it shallows in a nice spot. And yeah. I just, I don't like having any face manipulation. I mean, I don't know many guys who do, but I don't like having any face manipulation. Like, that's one of the things Troy and I work on a lot is getting in a position from where basically hip to hip. It's extremely quiet. It's just body matching and, and flat, or mm-hmm. I say flat, but not a lot of curve, just neutral balls that are synced up with your body and, and from there just let it go
0: yeah it's funny that first move um right there you were saying and and getting that kind of organized correctly right you you
1: mm-hmm. know getting it yeah.
0: uh, on plane and face in a good position it, it sounds like okay if you're good there then well it's probably gonna be pretty good up here
1: right yeah I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a big believer if you have a solid takeaway or if it's at least halfway decent it's hard for a lot of a lot of stuff to go on at top. I mean don't get me wrong, you manipulate it in certain ways but technically if you set it in a nice position on your takeaway and your body just turns like chest, stomach, all that stuff turns i I believe it should get in halfway decent spot or get enough spots to play some good golf at
0: least So what's up with Troy like is he is he kind of a quiet guy because like we've <laughs> exchanged a couple texts and I love his work and i'm like come on man you gotta come on the pod like every teacher comes up, i need you on the pod oh yeah he just seems like he's he really seems like a pretty humble quiet guy and i'm like dude i need you on the pod to talk technique with me is that what's he like
1: No, that i mean truthfully pearson was laughing at that because that that is exactly how he is big personality when you're around him i mean he'll have love and death but yeah i know he he wants nothing to do with the spotlight or i mean anything he loves teaching golf he'll do anything for you but he he's pretty to himself and he'll he'll have his day in the golf course and he'll go back to his family and yep just completely shut it down with them and that's there's just nothing the wrong, with that.
0: There's nothing no, wrong with that exactly
1: no. and that's i get i got i got i before. got respect
0: for that for sure all right now we got to go here your turn pearson there you are you work with uh, chris a lot i mean a lot of similarities really when you look at uh the swing here. I mean, I, you know, right there halfway back, Clubface at the top looks the same. I mean, you might be a shade more upright uh piercing, right. but a lot of similarities for sure. What do what do you work on with Chris when you see this?
1: Yeah, uh in this swing particularly, I'm definitely like like Parker said, the takeaway. Uh on the golf course I have a habit of like Clubface getting a little inside of, uh little just inside my hands and it just Puts me in a position to, I am not a cross line. I'm I'm very neutral at the top, but like it kind of might tend to work that way. get a little shut and then the club shallows too hard and I kind of just hit like a a fine push draw. But, uh, what Chris and I really are focusing on right now is keeping like my hips quiet. Uh, I can get too much weight going to that back right heel and it makes the transition just not very clean. So quiet hips, solid takeaway and then kind of coming down uh almost trying to feel like the club and again I'm I wish my words were perfect. Chris might not agree with what I'm about to say, but I'm trying to feel like the club is saying between my elbow or between my that gap in my arms. Mm-hmm. It's just trying to it's trying to stay in that gap longer and just not shallow below my forearm. Uh mm-hmm. uh so for a lot of guys that's that's especially amateur golfers, that's probably not the correct feel that they need. Uh, but for me, I, I just, I can get in a bad place of shouting the club too hard and that's fine, uh, when I want to hit a draw. But in this video, I'm very much trying to keep it between my forearms and kind of just pinch, uh, you know, a two or three yard fade out there. Uh, and then you yeah, like just the kind of, yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, pretty much everything will fade. Uh, but being kind of growing up a natural gol- drawer of the golf ball, if I'm not doing the constant, work to keep that slight fate it can turn into a little draw but yeah i'm always trying to work that uh just that that compression on all that kind of through the golf ball it's
0: good stuff well you both got great swings um you've got a great team with uh excuse me josh gregory chris como troy denton those are three of the best your uh your dad and grandpa obviously did a great job and uh your mom and the whole bit so I'm a big fan and following your careers and, and wish you guys uh, the best of luck next year on the PGA tour. Appreciate your time for, for coming on. Thanks. Thanks for having us.
1: Enjoy it. Good yeah, luck, with those, really good luck it.
0: with those ladies too. <laughs> <laughs> Always <laughs> you. need it.